Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. We have been away for a little bit, a little R&R, getting ready for the 2021-2022 Cleveland Cavaliers season. I am your host, Hayden Grove, joined, as always, by our Cavaliers beat reporter, Mr. Chris Fedor. Chris, are you ready for the grind that comes with the NBA season? No, it's not up <laughs> on me, man. <laughs> It's unbelievable to think about that it's actually here. Um, training camp right around the corner, media day right around the corner. Um, I guess you didn't really, you didn't really um, realize how condensed the schedule was until you start like feeling it in this kind of way. And there just isn't as much of a break in between like some of these bigger off-season events as what you're used to. And now here we go. Uh, this is like the third part of a regular season in the last 12 months or something like that, which is crazy to think about. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. Um, it seems like, you know, I think that's what I, I don't know if I saw where I saw the tweet, but parts of three regular seasons in, in yeah. a calendar year. I mean, insane, insane is what yeah. it is. But here we are. Media Day, if, you do, if you're unaware, Media Day will be on Monday at Cleveland Clinic Courts in Independence. A, the first chance to see the uh, the Cavaliers in their entirety as they prepare for the 2021-2022 season um, should be interesting that day. Chris, what do you wh- what are you going to look forward to in terms of what you're asking, what your questions are, what are you what are your kind of plans for that day? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think this is the year that everybody inside the organization has looked at Hayden as it's time to take a step forward or steps forward. And I don't think anybody really knows how to define that. But I'm curious what the expectations are inside the locker room. You know, the realistic expectations inside the locker room. If they truly believe that this is a team that competes for a playoff spot, that can compete for a play-in spot, um, that's something that that I'm going to look at. Um, And I I think the other main underlying storyline is, how do the Cavs replace the leadership that's been lost? Um, you know, I wrote at the very beginning of the offseason, Hayden, that it was super important for this organization to go out and find some reliable veterans because with veterans, there's more comfort. Um, there's more, as I said, reliability. And usually veterans 
help you win the game that you usually lose as you're going through a rebuild with a young team. Instead, the Cavs got younger, believe it or not. I mean, if you think about their starting five going into the year, what you think it's going to be, pencil it in, Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, um, Isaac Okoro, Evan Mobley, and Jared Allen. That, <laughs> I haven't looked this up, but I'm going to before Monday. That has to be up there in terms of one of the youngest starting five of the last 15 to 20 years. Um and it's just hard to consistently win games that way. It's hard to feel like you know what you're going to get from a group on a nightly basis when you have that much youth. So they have to replace Larry Nance Jr.'s leadership. Uh, Kevin Love is going to take a step back in terms of minutes and role, and I think it's going to be hard for him to have that same kind of leadership when he's not as involved on a nightly basis. So, like, those things I think are going to be really, really important. Everybody that I have talked to throughout the course of this offseason has said that they're turning to Darius Garland to take that next step from a leadership standpoint. And I'm curious to see how that's going to go. Yeah, you, you mentioned that they definitely did get younger. I mean, you look at Darius Garland, 21, Colin Sexton, 22, Jared Allen, 23, um, Isaac Coro 20, and uh, Evan Mobley, 20. 20. Probably. So, I mean, yeah. you, you add you add Laurie Markkinen into that, he's 24. I mean, they're just, the, the youth is insane. Right. I mean, you know, right. so I think the older, like, the two two of the oldest players, obviously, you added Denzel Valentine recently, again, a veteran. Uh, he's 27. Yeah. You added Ricky Rubio, right. he's 30. Uh, and then you have yeah. Kevin Love, who's 33. But that's about it in terms of, you know, anybody that's, a real kind of vet that they brought in. I mean, obviously you had Jetty who's 26, but it's just, you're right. The lineup is just so, so, so young. But, but I think this is more to the point, Aiden. It's not just that the lineup is so, so young. It's that the guys that they are expecting the most from on a nightly basis, those guys are super young too. Um, like, yes, Ricky Rubio is going to have a significant role on this team. He's going to be the backup point guard. He's going to be the secondary ball handler. He may play some shooting guard next to Darius Garland as well. So he's probably going to be somewhere between 26 and 32 minutes a night, I would think. I think that's a key role. Remember we had Bobby Marks on and he was talking about, like, yep. who are your seven, eight, nine type guys, right? Great. So, like, Ricky Rubio is going to be significant in that seven, eight, nine, but like Kevin Pangos isn't, you know what I mean? Like Denzel Valentine isn't. And to be honest with you, I don't think Kevin Love is either. So like the only guy that you mentioned of those veterans that's going to be relied on for consistency and um, big time minutes and big time production is Ricky Rubio. Other than yeah. that, like, your one through six is all under the age of 25. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, there's no because, doubt. Because because Larry Markkinen's going to be the de facto sixth man on this team. Right. So it's not like, you know, he has accomplished as much throughout the course of his career. Um, he got off to a really good start last year before he was bumped to the backup role. 
Um, and then his second year in the NBA, he looked like he was going to be a star. But that's like a year and a half out of his first four years in the NBA. So I think he's going to be better. I think a change of scenery is going to help him. But it's hard for me to sit here and say, I know exactly what Lowry Markinen is going to give the Cavs on a nightly basis. You just don't have that comfort with a guy like that. Right. I mean, the, the, the thing that you also said about this offseason, they needed to get better shooting. And I think that obviously oh, Lowry yeah. Markinen helps there. Um, you know, that's kind of what they what that brought him in for. Uh, Denzel Valentine, again, not a huge role, but they brought him in maybe, you know, to shoot a little bit. Um, you know, what what do you take away from kind of the shooting additions that they made? Did they do enough to add to, add to the shooting? No, I don't think they did enough. Um, but, but I think it's a really good start. Um, I, I think that's what it comes down to, Hayden. When you look at this roster, it is once again – I believe incomplete. Um, it's once again uh, one that that I don't think can win big significantly this upcoming season. But for the future, it makes a lot more sense than some of these rosters that they've run out there in the past two years or so. Um, right. So I don't think it's enough. I, I don't think it's enough. Uh, look, Isaac Okoro has to take a step as a shooter. Um, there's there's a level of um, there's a level of comfort with Darius Garland and Colin Sexton when it comes to shooting the basketball. Uh, those two are probably um, two and three in terms of natural pure shooters behind Markinen, honestly. But but like Evan Mobley is not a pure shooter. You know Jared Allen not a pure shooter. Ricky Rubio, yes he can make outside shots, but. Uh, that's that's one of the concerns with him is is his three point shooting and and the consistency of that. So um, it's it's an improvement because I think marketing can't be overlooked in terms of how that's going to trickle down and impact the other guys around him. But I I, I don't think I still look at this roster and say there's not enough floor spacing not enough shooting, not to the level that, that you want to be at if you want to truly compete for a playoff spot. With this offseason, I mean, I think the obvious biggest addition was Evan Mobley. I mean, that's, you know, that's, yeah. the, top, that's the top five pick. That's your guy. That's the guy who we both talked about as somebody who, you know, kind of needs to be the guy, needs to, you know, whether they build around him or not, um, he needs to be a huge part of this Cavaliers team. And, uh yeah. You didn't see a ton of him in summer league. A little bit. Um, I think that the one the one thing that I kind of thought, and I think I brought this up to you, was that maybe instead of being a twenty five a night scorer, maybe he's the center of this offense. Maybe he's what the offense runs through. Maybe he you know provides opportunities for others. I mean, you know, maybe he's a yeah. guy that can still average in the d- double digits, but um, but he's again more of a hub for the rest of the offense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's the way that you have to look at it. Um, I think the Cavs learned at Summer League that he, putting him down in the post and, and having him play with his back to the basket uh, that low, that close to the rim, probably not the best way to go about it. I've talked to multiple people that have been at these scrimmages that the Cavs have been running. Um, they've been voluntary. They weren't mandatory. They were voluntary. Uh, the coaching staff did help the guys get on a schedule and organize them 
but they didn't demand anybody being there. And from the people that I talked to that were there, that were present, and, and saw these scrimmages, uh, they said they were surprised at how comfortable Evan Mobley was out on the perimeter doing some of those things that you were mentioning. And I think for his rookie season, that's probably where he's going to be most comfortable. Um, the elbow extended and even beyond. Now he's going to catch lobs and he's going to get offensive rebounds. And, and every now and then, if there's a matchup that's favorable, the Cavs will put him in the post. They'll put him at the baseline or the dunker spot and have him go to work in those spots. Um, but, but I think they learned at Summer League and learned throughout the course of, of this offseason and in these scrimmages what is the best way to use him and get him on the move, put the ball in his hands, allow him to face up. Those kinds of things um, I think are going to be most comfortable for him, and I think that can unlock a different area of the team's offense that was kind of missing last year. Because if you remember, Hayden, at the beginning of last season, there was a lot of conversation with J.B. Bickerstaff and the coaching staff saying, hey, look, we want to run um, a lot of our offense through Kevin Love and Larry Nance Jr. at the elbow and out on the perimeter, and we want to use those forwards as a hub of the offense. Well, Kevin gets hurt, and he's out for a majority of the season. Larry Nance Jr. had three different stints where he was out, so they kind of had to shift their offensive focus, um, and we didn't really get to see that particular element consistently. So now I think that gives them something else to go to on the offensive end away from um, pick and roll, pick and roll, pick and roll, or however you want to phrase it. How will that affect, I mean, how will the lack of maybe Evan Mobley being in the low post, how will that affect Jared Allen? I mean, will that give him more room to work? Or is he, I mean, he doesn't strike me as necessarily somebody who loves to play that way either. No, but like, that's not the kind of guy that you're going to run offense through. Right. Jared Allen's the kind of guy who's going to get his numbers and his production in a completely different way. He's not a high usage player. Right. Um, every now and then, sure, he'll get touches. And he's worked on that. I've been told that he's worked on his passing this offseason, and he's worked on his face-up game, and he's worked on his touch shot. So that's, that's an area that, that he wants to continue to explore. And I think the coaching staff is going to allow him. And if he shows that he can function in that kind of way, then they'll probably give him more opportunities. Um, but the primary usage guys are going to be Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, and in that starting five, probably Evan Mobley, before you start talking about Isaac Okoro and Jared Allen. And then from there, you got Markinen. Obviously, he'll be a high-usage guy. Um, yeah, I mean, he's going to yeah, he's gonna be staggered throughout. He's probably, I would think, more than likely going to come off the bench, but you know, he'll play with Darius at times, and then other times he won't play with Darius. At times he'll play with Colin, other times he won't play. That's like the thing. It's not hockey substitutions. It's not right. line shifts. You're going to mix and match these guys throughout the course of the game. And obviously, Jared Allen's going to benefit from playing with Markinen because yeah. of the spacing and the shooting that Markinen brings to the table. And I think Mobley can benefit from Markinen as well. So we talked about the starting five. Um, you look at the, you know, we talked about Bobby Marks. You need, you know, you need eight, nine, ten guys, right? Like that's that's the bottom line here. So, 
You got your six. They're really young. Really, really young. You got your seventh and Ricky Rubio. I mean, you're yeah. eight and nine. I mean, that's that's kind of where the roster is, uh, you know, maybe a little light. If you're if you're thinking about, OK, you know, we need nine guys. Well, who are those eight and nine guys going to be? I mean, who are those eighth and nine guys in your mind? Yeah, I mean, I think it's some combination of Kevin Love, Jetty Osman, and Dylan Windler. Yeah. Each disappointing in its own right, right? I mean, obviously, you know, Kevin in his past was fantastic, but right. it's obviously slowed. Um, you have Dylan Windler, who's just injury after injury. And I know you did a big yeah. takeout on him, a big piece, and he's looking to come back. And Jetty, yeah. I mean, they're just it just hasn't seemed to come together since LeBron, you know, kind of – we thought when LeBron was in Cleveland that he was going to – that Jetty might be a player. I mean, you know, he, he plays – LeBron was saying he plays very professionally. He kind of – you know, does things well, and then since then it's kind of been not as good. So you're right. You hope that one of those three kind of steps up. And with Jetty specifically, I mean, what is what is the future there? What is the hope for him this season? Well, I think there are reasons, Hayden, to expect some positive regression when it comes to his three-point shot. Okay. Um, I, I think we all understand that Jetty is not somebody who is going to be a 40% shooter, like Larry Markinen, um, like Darius Garland. But for his career, Jetty is about 36%. Last year, he shot around 30%. So there's some belief internally from the Cavs that some positive regression is going to come, and Jetty is not as bad as he showed himself to be last year. I'm not saying that the Cavs are relying on him in a big, big way, or expecting him to have this breakout season or something along those lines. I think he is who he is. I think there's a recognition that he's probably seven, eight, nine in a rotation if you're talking about a play-in type team. But there is some belief based on the way that he played last year and some of the mental things that he was going through, starting, not starting, play the three, play the four, ball in his hands, not in his hands, stand in the corner at times and just be a spacer. Like, there was a lot that he was going through in terms of his role, in terms of his position that he played. And I, I think because of those factors, he definitely struggled. He didn't handle it well. And the Cavs believe that he's going to be better this year than he was last year. doesn't mean he's going to be great. It doesn't mean that he's going to be a starter quality wing. But a 36% shooter shooting 30% from three-point range, they believe that's more of the outlier, and he can bounce back from that, at least. I've been thinking when you mentioned Kevin, I mean, you know, he's just such a big part of this Cavs team in one way or another because if he's not performing, then, you know, he's just a bunch of money that's that's kind of on the side sitting there and not helping. And then, if he, you know, he just hasn't been able to perform. But what is the best case scenario for Kevin Love? I mean, what what is the best possible way uh, for him to contribute to this Cavs team? I think, it's, I think it's the same idea that we have talked about, we have had, the Cavs have had for the last two and a half years. Like, why did they go out and get somebody like Larry Markinen? Right. Because he brings to the, the idea of Markinen, 
is very similar to the idea of Kevin. The things that he brings to the table are the same things that you like about Kevin. Right. The floor spacing, it's the three-point shooting. And it's a guy, Hayden, who is willing to take those threes. You know, for yep. so many games last year, we watched as the Cavs would be in the single digits in like the third quarter in terms of three-point attempts where guys would pump fake and put it on the deck and things along those lines. So, like, Markkanen's willing to take those threes. Kevin Love is willing to take those threes. But the problem is when the Cavs didn't have Kevin, the team felt that. Like, no, he's not the same player that he was, but you still felt his absence because the things that he brought to the table – there wasn't anybody else on the roster that was bringing those things. You know what I mean? Yep. So now if Kevin's going to miss the amount of games that he's going to miss, or he's only going to play, I don't know, between 12 and 18 minutes a night, you're not going to feel his absence as much because Markinen can do those same kinds of things. But at the same time, like Markinen's not the most healthy guy throughout the course of his career. He has been inconsistent. So I think if there are struggles that Markinen is going through for one reason or another, then Kevin's kind of like the insurance policy. If and he Kevin, can be healthy. And that's yeah. a big it. Right. And Kevin can and, be and, a... And here's the other thing. Hayden, like, to be honest with you, I have no idea if that kind of limited role is going to make Kevin healthy or happy. Um, and, and I have no idea if he can stay healthy to consistently contribute to this team. But but at the same time, like, I don't think the Cavs can afford as an organization to rely on Kevin. And we've talked about this on previous podcasts. Yeah. I, I just don't think they can afford to rely on Kevin. So to me, he's kind of like the swing big man who anything you get from Kevin Love this year is essentially a luxury. Right. That's how I look at it anyway. Which is crazy to think about, you know, just given his yeah, past. I mean, like, and, and given the fact that he makes $31 million, it's probably right. not the best role for that kind of guy to be in. But but I think it's the best thing for the organization, and I think it's the best thing for the team um, and, and different lineup combinations. There has been um, – well, actually, before that, let me touch on this real fast – you should definitely, definitely sign up for Chris's subtext as we get ready for the 2021-2022 Cavaliers season. All you got to do is go to cleveland.com slash Cavs, click the blue banner at the top of the page, and your phone number, and you will get uh, access to all kinds of inside information, analysis, news, notes from Chris straight to your phone. You can text with him. Again, go to cleveland.com slash Cavs, click the blue banner at the top of the page. It is $3.99 a month with a 14-day free trial. So again, 14 days free, $3.99 a month, just a small chunk of change out of your pocket for, again, some great Cavaliers news, analysis, all kinds of good stuff from Chris Fedor. Speaking of which, Ben Simmons has been on the tongue of most Cavaliers players, or not not players, sorry, excuse me, most Cavaliers fans, most Cavaliers analysts, pundits, whatever, what do you want in the Twitter sphere, NBA, it doesn't matter. Ben Simmons and the Cavaliers have been linked for sure. Obviously, we are just around the corner from Media Day. Media Day is Monday. We are recording this on a Friday afternoon. So, 
Chris, you wrote about Ben Simmons. What, yeah. What's your takeaway? I mean, I, I think at this point, they're so close to the season. Would they really shake it up like this at this point? Um, ben Simmons obviously said, according to, you know, from what I have seen, it says he's not going to report to training camp for the Sixers. Um, he's still disgruntled right. with the situation. So they're still looking for a trade, and the Cavaliers could still be involved. So what is your kind of understanding of all of this? So my understanding is that the Cavs are obviously interested. Um, these are the kinds of teams, the Cavs, the Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, the Sacramento Kings, these are the kinds of teams that make a ton of sense for Ben because they're looking for that star to be, build around or if you don't consider him a star, um, one level below that to build with the kind of guy that these teams can't get in free agency. Um, and there's a benefit to Ben being under contract and having an element of control here. Like if somebody is going to trade for, you know, Bradley Beal, there's an element of worry that he's just going to use whatever team it is as the stepping stone. With mm -hmm. Ben Simmons, you know you're getting a guy who is under contract through the 24-25 season. Yeah. Look, that was one of the things that the Cavs liked about Lowry Markkinen is that they were going to give him a contract. It was a contract that they were comfortable with, and he wasn't just going to leave at the end of the season in free agency. Um, and Markkanen's the kind of guy that they weren't able to just sign in free agency. Those caliber players are not going to willingly choose Cleveland. That's just the reality of the situation, right? So for the Cavs, it makes sense to have an interest in Ben, and they are interested in Ben. But, but I think the thing is, he's not Anthony Davis here. He's not LeBron James. He's not Kawhi Leonard. He's not Luka Doncic. He's not mortgaged the future for. He's not shake up your entire roster and rebuild around this guy for. Like, he's not to that level. He is a multiple-time all-star, and he's one of the best defensive players in the NBA, and he brings a lot of versatility, and he gives any team an identity – and he's a supersized guard with great vision and playmaking. Um, but he's also flawed on the offensive end. The shot's not there. Can he play in the fourth quarter? You don't know because of the free throw issues. And, and he's not a great fit everywhere. If, if you're going to have somebody like Ben with those shooting limitations and those spacing concerns, then you better have some shooting and spacing around him. You know what I mean? So, like, he's not the kind of guy that goes to every organization and he's a great fit. Uh, you really have to make moves around Ben to bring out the best in Ben. And I don't know that he's the kind of guy that's worth doing all of that for on top of giving up multiple picks and multiple young players. So if Philly's price tag that they put on Ben – comes down to what is considered by many standards more reasonable, then I think the Cavs can absolutely be in the mix with a either Kevin Love, Ricky Rubio, plus Colin Sexton um, and multiple picks. But, like, if you're talking about unprotected first-round picks plus Colin Sexton 
plus like maybe Isaac Okoro and Ricky Rubio instead of Kevin Love, then it starts to get a little bit complicated from the Cavs' perspective. And I think at the end of the day, if, if Ben is moved in the next couple of weeks, Hayden, I think it is going to be a three- or four-team trade because to satisfy everything that Philadelphia wants is going to be really, really difficult for one team to do. Do you think that, I mean, given that, given everything that the Sixers want, given that, you know, he's kind of a polarizing player in some ways, um, do you kind think... Of. Well, you, <laughs> kind do, of. Kind of. people in Philly. <laughs> do you think that he will, I mean, do you think that they will get the, get a deal done before the season starts? Um, I do not. And, and here's why, a couple of reasons. Like, it could happen. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, absolutely not. There's no way that it could happen. Yeah. Of course it could happen. But but I hesitate on that for two reasons. One, this is a unique situation here. Right. Usually the teams that have disgruntled stars like this are looking to go into rebuild mode. So those teams are asking for draft picks and young players into the future. Philadelphia is not in that situation. Philadelphia is trying to compete for a championship. Philadelphia is one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference, and they don't want to take a huge step back by trading away Ben Simmons. So you have to find, for Philadelphia, they want either win-now pieces or they want a pathway to get one of those win-now pieces maybe at the trade deadline. And, and I think that's one thing that makes it complicated is that a lot of these teams are going into training camp feeling relatively good about their rosters, and they're not willing to give up some of these win-now pieces that Philadelphia would want so that Philadelphia can remain competitive without Ben Simmons. Um, the other thing is this, Hayden. Right now, there are restrictions on some of the players that can be traded in the NBA. The Cavs right. can't trade Larry Markkinen until December. And about 50% of the league is that way. So you're talking about anybody that signed a new contract this, this offseason, they can't be traded. So I, I think that just limits the, the amount of, of teams that could trade for Ben right now. And I think it limits the possibilities of what the 76ers could get in return for Ben Simmons. And I think when the pool gets um, opened up more, then, then I think Philly would be more apt to say yes to one of these types of deals. Right now, I still find it hard um, to find the team that is going to give Philly exactly what they want or close to it, and, and, and the 76ers are willing to say yes to it. Like, I could come up right now with a fake trade that Cavs fans would do for Ben Simmons, probably. Yeah. But that's not to say that Philadelphia would do that same deal. So sure. I just think, much like we talked about with Colin Sexton, would the Cavs get a deal for Colin that they would say yes to? I found that hard to believe, right, because of how much they valued him. Um, given all those things that I just mentioned with Ben Simmons, I personally find it hard to believe that the 76ers – today or in the next week or two, we'll get a deal that they would be willing to say yes to. 
because I think the best deal for Ben Simmons comes around the trade deadline. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, if they're you... willing to wait that long, right? Maybe it's an untenable situation, and they decide, like, no, we can't have this guy around. Um, right. And they say, okay, we're going to lower the price tag because of those ancillary factors. But but if it stays, I guess, what it is now, where it's not toxic and it's not having a huge impact on the 76ers' chances, then then I think they're the kind of organization that would be willing to be patient. Do you th- just based on what you've who you've talked to, what you've heard, how yeah. how interested are the Cavaliers? Yeah, I mean, I think they're one of the most interested teams out there. I think was, Yeah. I think the teams that that make the most sense for Ben are also the ones that are most interested. Minnesota, Sacramento, Cleveland, uh, I think Portland. Those are the teams that that I continue to hear. Uh, Portland, Portland would be interesting, given you know all you know they do have a lot of pieces. Yeah, so that's the other layer to this whole thing, right? So Philadelphia is looking at it, saying. What if Bradley Beal becomes available? What if Damian Lillard becomes available? What if, I mean, Carl Anthony Towns is not a great example because they don't need another big guy. But what if that caliber player becomes available at the trade deadline and we already traded Ben Simmons? Right. Like in Philadelphia's mind, Ben Simmons is the centerpiece to that kind of deal. If they can hold out that long. And, and if Damian Lillard were to be available or Bradley Beal were to be available, then I think Ben Simmons would have been traded already. Right. Right. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, you know, given a, a player of that caliber to help the Sixers would make a, a lot of sense, a lot of sense. And it would, again, right. I think, I think that it would make sense for the Sixers because right. let's say they trade away Ben Simmons for, all right, let, let's just hypothetically, this isn't going to happen, but hypothetically say a package of, Colin Sexton, Isaac Okoro, and multiple first-round picks. Like, are any of those pieces the same kind of centerpiece of a trade for Damian Lillard? Or no. for Zach Levine? Or no. for Bradley Beal? Probably not. No. Like, Ben Simmons could be, like, a step up from that. And I think right. that's more attractive to Philly to hang on to him just in case one of those guys becomes available. Unless, of course, they get the kind of deal that they absolutely want, the high price that they placed on Ben, which is like <laughs> three or four first-round picks and, you know, a couple of young, ascending, um, tantalizing players. Honestly, given <laughs> – I don't know about you, but I know it's a high price tag, but honestly, they've been – they've had so many first-round picks at this point that, like – is it time to cash in? Is it time to pull an anti anti Sam Presti and just, you know, kind of <laughs> try to get that big piece and then build around from there and you know not worry as much about the draft? I mean, I don't know. So I think that's a fair point, but at some point, don't you have to say we owe it to ourselves as an organization to attach a value to everything? 
whether yeah. it's a first round pick, whether it's a second round pick. So what's the kind of value that you place on Ben Simmons? Right. Uh, and it's... is he the kind of guy? So I, I've seen rumors of like Ricky Rubio, Colin Sexton, and two protected first round picks. Like that I would not Philly. I think Philly would say no to that. Yeah, no. To be honest no with you. Yeah. I think Philly wants more than that. And for me to say yes to that as the Cavs would be really tough, too. Yeah. Yeah, I think they absolutely say no to that. Philly. So it's like, okay, are you going to throw in a third first-round pick? Are you going to throw in Isaac Okoro instead of a third first-round pick? Like, it's really, really difficult, I think, to meet Philly's demand right now, unless Philly caves. Right. And and that could happen. The 76ers could look at it and say, you know what? Like, we all lower this price tag. We got to cave a little bit. Maybe that happens. Right. Right. And I, I think you're right. I think that it happens towards the, you know, when, when the games start, when, when, when you start to see if, you know, how Colin Sexton looks, how Ricky Rubio looks, how Kevin Love looks, how Larry Markin, I mean, not, you can't trade Larry Markin, but like, you know, how everybody looks. And that has how Isaac looks. You know, maybe they see these guys and they're like, all right, well, maybe they fit in better than we thought they would. And then, boom, Ben Simmons. So, or the, Caval- the Cavaliers are like, man, you know, we, we don't like this as much. You know, maybe we our, our opinion of one of these guys is going to lower a little bit. So, you know, it, I think I think you're right in that it probably wouldn't take place before the start of the season. But it definitely is interesting, especially if they're interested. I mean, that obviously means something, right? If they're interested in the trade, yeah. they, they believe that, Either Simmons is is workable, or you know they don't believe that they have somebody big to rebuild around, or or something like that. There's got to be a reason that they're interested. Well, I mean, I think there's an, another thing here. You know, it's it's very similar to the Markinen situation. You know, they didn't set out this off season saying we've got to get Lowry Markinen, but sometimes an opportunity presents itself. Guys like Ben Simmons for all of his flaws, for all of the concerns that I've already laid out, guys like Ben Simmons, with the the contract security that you're going to have with him, the age and the talent, they usually don't become available. Not this early. He's 25 years old. He's just entering the prime of his career. So sometimes an opportunity just presents itself and a player becomes available that you don't expect to become available, (laughs) you have to explore that, especially if you're a team like the Cavs, especially if you're a team like the Cavs that, that is still looking for as many core pieces as possible to move this thing forward. And you know that you can't be a player in free agency. Right. It does make sense. It does make sense. I just think, you know, the ba- the basketball portion of it would be interesting. It would depend on, you know, and it would obviously all depend on what the trade would be, but I think it's fascinating. Um, right. Do you, I mean, would it, how much would it speed up the process? I mean, would it, you know, would it immediately make them more of a playoff contender? Would it immediately make them, you know, uh, I don't know, just a little better, not a lot better? It's something that I've been kicking around in my own head. I don't know the answer to that question. I wish I did. And that's part of the problem with Ben Simmons, in my opinion, is that right now with him, 
everything about him, there are more questions than answers. Right. So would they be better with Ben Simmons? Sure. I think both in the short term and the long term. I just don't know how much better, Hayden. Yeah. I, I don't believe he can be your one. I don't right. believe he can be your one. Well, the hope is that he wouldn't have to be your one. Maybe Mobley could be your one. Maybe, you know, Garland could be your yeah. one. But it's right. it's right. It's tough. In the short term, in the short term, what does it take them from twenty six wins to like thirty one? Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, they still don't have a lot of shooting around Ben. They still wouldn't have a lot of spacing around him. They'd be pretty nasty defensively. Yeah. We'll say that. We'll say that, but we know it's an offensive game and teams are going to find a way to score. That's just the way it goes. They would be limited offensively, but they'd be really nasty defensively. I think the bottom line is they just don't have have the shooting period for sure, whoever comes in. I mean, if you think about last year's team, Hayden, and I know that there were circumstances attached to this, including Kevin Love's absence and, I mean, whatever happened with Jetty Osman. But in terms of spacing and shooting, it was one of the worst in the NBA. Right. So now you want to add Ben Simmons to that? Like, yeah, you improved it a little bit with marketing, but, like, now you want to add Ben Simmons to that kind of setup? Like, how much better does that make you in the short term? I, I don't think a ton. Maybe five to six games. But yeah, I mean, That's you're right. To give up. It's a lot to give up for a guy who can't shoot the basketball. I mean, that's the bottom line. If you're going to watch you can get somebody. Yeah, From the outside. Yeah, from the outside because he can shoot around the rim and he can score that way. Right, but you're—that's the whole point—is that the NBA is more of an outside game than it's ever been, and it's a lot to pay for a guy that, like you said, uh, you know, outside in at the free throw line. Even that's—I mean—that's a big deal. Yeah, he's a—he's very much a liability at the free throw line, and again, the free throw line is a big deal. You'll lose games that way. Hayden, to me, this is far from a no-brainer. If we're having any kind of conversation about Ben Simmons and trying to, like, bang the table for him, this is a very polarizing player. And like I said, he's not Anthony Davis. I, I, it, it's surprising to me that this kind of player, um, and he's good. He's very good. But he's a level or two below the kinds of guys that usually flex their muscles like this. Right. Right. I understand. I definitely understand. Um, before we get going, anything uh, you want to bring up before, you know, media day? I know we'll talk after media day. Unfortunately, I was I was slated to be a media day. And then um, we there was the Indians are now going to play on Monday. So it's going to be the last Indians game in Cleveland. So I think that the the powers that be want me to be there. Yeah, I think that might be a little bit more newsworthy. Yeah, more important so, if you wanna. I was looking forward to. I was looking forward to getting back there, but you know, I kind of agree it'll be the last game ever that the Cleveland Indians play. So yeah. um, it's 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 you know it's a pretty big deal. But uh, before yeah. media day, anything else you want to throw out there? Nah, I don't think so. 
don't think so. Well, um, we will def- we will definitely talk next week around media day for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm hearing that, that Dylan Windler is expected to be ready for the start of training camp. That's, so that's good. positive. Yeah. He's been scrimmaging. He's been part of these um, voluntary scrimmages. Kevin Love came to town um, midway through this week. So he was part of those voluntary scrimmages. There's a lot of excitement with the organization around both Isaac Okoro and Darius Garland and Colin Sexton, from what I continue here. And, of course, Evan Mobley. Like, that's a no-brainer. Like, there are yeah. people in this organization that are finally getting to see Mobley, you know, in a different kind of way than what they did briefly at Summer League. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, this is this is legit against NBA caliber players on his own team. Right. You know, at Summer League, he was playing against these first and second year guys and guys who are fighting to be in the NBA. So they've seen him against the Cleveland Cavaliers, NBA caliber players, and they're really, really impressed um, with the things that he's been able to do. So that's something that I've heard. Um, aside from that, no, I mean, I think it's going to be a really, really interesting season. But but I just wonder how much, in terms of steps forward, they will take in the standings. Because I'm starting to wonder if it's really going to be that much. I almost forgot about two major things. Major. Two major things. Two, two major things that I want to address. First okay. of all, I am so upset that I will not get to see Taco Fall on Media Day. I, <laughs> I love Taco Fall. I have been a huge yeah. Taco Fall fan since before he got to UCF. I'm so excited. I don't obviously I don't think he'll play a big part in the Cavs. I get it, but no, I'm so excited. He's, he's a he's a very lovable guy. Gotta love Taco Fall. Fan favorite. Could be a a very big fan favorite here in Cleveland, even if just for training camp. Secondly. Cleveland Charge has a new head coach, Dan Jerio. So yeah. wanted to give him a uh, wanted to give him a shout out. Big opportunity coaching the uh, Cleveland Charge over at the Wolstein Center. So maybe, just maybe, Taco Fall plays for the Cleveland Charge with Dan Jerio as the head coach. You never know. Two major things. Yeah, I don't think it's yeah, I don't think it's a maybe on that one. <laughs> I think uh, I was told that he got an Exhibit Ten clause in his contract which basically gives him a little bit more money to play for the Canton charge or the Cleveland charge. Excuse me. Yeah. Come on, Chris, the Cleveland charge. Hey, I'm done with that. I'll go watch. I'll go watch him at the Wolstein center. Oh yeah. Let's go. There you go. Let's go. So, I mean, I think he's going to have a chance. I think he's going to have a chance Hayden to get that second two way spot. Yeah. Uh, he's going to compete with other guys at camp for that, but you know, they signed him basically to play for the charge. Right. Well, good for him. Good for him. He did. Yeah. He's a good guy. We we we're big. I'm a big Taco Fall fan, so I can't wait to see. I, I can't wait to see him at practice. And I mean, I just I, I don't think I've seen somebody that that size before. Maybe Boban. Boban's that big. I've seen Boban, Boban before. Boban's huge. Yep. In the bowels of the queue. I mean, he's a he's a, yeah. a massive human being. So. All right. Mozgov was huge. This guy's got three inches. Mozgov. Yeah, Mozgov was huge, and he does right. Correct. 
Correct. Wow. What a career Tim Faye Moskov had, man. I just, that's, that's, <laughs> he got that big deal with the Lakers and rode off into the sunset. So good for, good for Mozzie. Good for him. All right. For real this time, thank you for joining us on the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. We appreciate you. Um, like I said, after media day, we'll definitely give you a breakdown. Um, unfortunately, I will not be there, but hopefully I'll be able to get out there soon. Looking forward to seeing, um, you know, the new look Cleveland Cavaliers. And Chris will be out there every day. So, like I said, sign up for his subtext, $3.99 a month, 14-day free trial. All you have to do is go to cleveland.com slash Cavs. And from there, you click on the blue banner at the top of the page. You enter your phone number, and boom, you are good to go. All kinds of insight, analysis, and whatnot from Chris Fedor. So, thank you so much for joining us, everyone. We appreciate you, and we will talk to you soon. Have a great weekend. Take care.